0: November 1996 I'm sitting in a Sunday school classroom at Jefferson Street Christian Church in Lincoln, Illinois and I'm sitting in this classroom and in walks one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life I had seen her on campus before and uh, I remember thinking to myself she would never go out with me I look like the inside of a toad She's way too hot for me. She's out of my league. So, I'm sitting in this classroom, and this girl walks in, and uh, bright red dress. I'll never forget. She had a bright red dress on. Her favorite color is red. She walks in. She walks up. She's she's like walking right towards me, and uh, I say I, I I look up at her, and I say the only thing that comes to mind. How tall are you? <laughs> I'm a romantic. So I, I I wait for the answer and she says about six foot and the romantic that I am, I say Oh and she walks past me. Now the next weekend our Sunday school class was having a retreat. And uh, we're going to go on this retreat, and I wasn't planning on going. When I was in Bible college, I worked at Walmart, uh, cleaning floors. I did my time uh, cleaning floors at Walmart, midnights. I would work all night long, and so I'd work midnights, five nights a week, and then I would sleep on the weekends, I would go to school during the day. I was a full-time college student, and I was cleaning floors at Walmart. I was exhausted all the time. So I'm not going to go to this retreat decided I wasn't going to go a guy calls me up says Sean are you going to the retreat I said I really don't think so I work midnights I'm really tired I got next weekend off I don't have to work I think I'm just going to stay home and and relax and get some sleep why do you ask he said well Shannon and her roommate need a ride to go to the retreat I said I think I can go uh (laughs) if if they need a ride you know I I can do that so I decide that I'm going to go ahead and go to the retreat And I'm really excited. I'm kind of nervous, really excited. I'm going to get to know Shannon. That's what I really wanted to do, is get to know her. So I'm sitting in the car, and they come and get in the car, Shannon and her roommate. Now, my plan was for Shannon to sit in the front seat. My plan did not work, because her roommate sat in the front seat. And I didn't want to get to know the roommate. I wanted to get to know Shannon, and Shannon is sitting in the back seat. So already, this isn't working out the way I'd intended So we drive to the retreat. Now we go to the retreat, and here at the retreat, I am laying it on thick. I mean thick. Uh, There was a couple there who had just had a baby, and so to demonstrate my fatherly prowess, I would hold the baby, showing off how good I am as a dad, because that's what chicks are looking for. So I'm sitting there holding the baby, showing I'm a good dad, right? And uh, I uh, uh, rub her shoulders, I'm complimenting her, I think, honey, did I rub your feet? Hands. I rubbed her hands. That was it. I didn't rub her feet. I rubbed her hands. I did a little hand massage, you know? And so I'm really like I said, I'm laying it on thick I wrote her a poem that we I wrote a poem that weekend. Trying to impress her. Trying to woo her. Trying to win her affections. It worked. How do I know it worked? Because on the way back from the retreat, Shannon sat in the front seat with me. Oh yeah, Casanova, that's right. Okay, so so we go back to Lincoln, and uh, we, we're, we start dating about a month later on Christmas Day 1996, we start dating. Love was blooming, it's beautiful. So, uh, nine months later, September 25th, 1997, Shannon is doing an internship at the First Christian Church of Chicago. I am living in Atwood, Illinois, and I had made up my mind, I had made the decision, I was going to ask Shannon to marry me. Now, how did I make this decision? Because sometime earlier, she had told me, Sean, I really don't think when I get engaged, I really don't want a diamond engagement ring. The girl for me. So, so I I decide that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask her to marry me. And I called her mom. I said, uh, Carmen, I said, uh, I think I'm going to ask Shannon to marry me. She's like, do you really want to do that? I'm like, well, yeah. And it's like, what do you say? And she's like, I I just don't. Shannon had a rule. See, uh, Shannon had a rule that uh, she wouldn't get engaged until she had been dating somebody for a year. And like I said, we'd only been dating nine months. I'm a rule breaker. I'm a rebel without a cause. So I decided that I'm going to go ahead and ask her to marry me. Uh, I, I went and I picked up her roommate, same roommate, by the way. I went and picked her up. I said, we're going to go to Chicago. You're going to get to visit with Shannon. I'm going to visit with Shannon. And I'm going to ask her to marry me. She's like, are you sure you want to do that? What is going on? So... I'm going to ask her to marry me. Okay, you know the rule. I know the rule. I'm going to break the rule. All right, so it's me. So we get in the car. We drive up to Chicago. We go up to Chicago, and uh, I had decided that I, I knew she didn't want a diamond engagement ring, hence the girl for me. So I decided what I was going to do. I, Shannon collects precious moments, and so I went out, and I bought this. This is a little brown-haired boy proposing to a little blonde-haired girl, and I thought, ah, she collects precious moments, right? He's got a little diamond engagement ring right there, which I don't have, but I got this. So I go up there. And uh, we, if I drop this thing, I'm a dead man. So um, <laughs> we'll leave it right there. So uh, I, I, we drive up there, and I had hatched a plan with the roommate. This is what we're going to do. At some point in the evening, I'm going to go get ice cream for everybody. And then when I go get the ice cream, you're going to feel her out. You're going to find out, you know, what's going to happen when I ask her to marry me. And uh, she's like, okay, sounds like a plan. So in the middle of the evening, we're sitting there, and for no apparent reason whatsoever, I say... I'm gonna go get ice cream. So I get in my car. I go to the store. I am a nervous wreck. Butterflies, heart palpitations, sweaty palms. I'm just like freaking out. I don't even know what ice cream anybody likes. I'm just trying to throw stuff in the cart. I got to get back. I got to find out what she's going to say. So I get back in the car. I drive back to the house. I walk in and her roommate looks at me and goes, (laughs) do not seek the treasure. So I am just, t- I'm like, what do I do now? I've got, the, I've got this. I've got ice cream. What am I going to do? So um, uh, everybody goes to bed, and Shannon and I are up late talking on the couch. And so we're just sitting there talking to each other, and, and we're talking about marriage. We're talking about getting married and things like that. She's like, you know I have a rule. Yeah, I'm not going to get married. and I'm not going to get engaged until I've been dating somebody for a year. And I'm like, but yeah, you know, I love you. I really want to ask you to marry me. And then she looks at me. She goes, you know, you haven't asked me anything. So I grab my, I reach down into the bag next to the couch and I pull out my little figurine and I get down on one knee. And I asked her to marry me. And she said, (laughs) I don't know why I'm saying this, but yes. And uh, 15 months later, to the day that we crossed from September 25th to September 26th, 15 months later to that day on December 26th, 1998, we stood before our family and friends in God and committed our lives to one another and said we were going to love each other till death do us part. We said we would do it for better, for worse, <coughs> excuse me, for richer or for, there's been no richer, for poorer, in sickness death do us part, because there's been—if you know us, there's been very little help as well. Um, we made that promise, we made that commitment to each other, and we said we were going to do it till we till we died. And um, you know, I—I I, I, today is Valentine's Day, and I thought it'd be a really great day to start a new series on relationships and the different relationships in our lives, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next six weeks. We're going to talk about relationships. Uh, specifically today because it's Valentine's Day we're going to talk about married relationships. Now one of the things about married relationships is uh, that uh, Dave Willis calls this a uh, uh, we live in an age of cable company marriages and what he means by that is you know a cable company will do anything they can to try and get you to be their customer. They'll provide great customer service as they're wooing you to be their customer. They will give you a great rate. They will promise you a great rate for their cable service And then they lock you into that agreement, and all of a sudden, the fees start going up, and the rates start going up, and the customer service starts going down, and down, and down, and down. So much so that after about a year of being in this contract, you're like looking for the contract going, when is this thing up? Because I'm going to go find a new cable company. And he says, too often in our marriages, we don't woo each other. We don't provide that. We start to take each other for granted. Much like your cable company will take you for granted, we start taking our spouses for granted. And when we take our spouses for granted, we all of a sudden, the other person starts saying, man, I'm I'm looking for another cable company. And it shouldn't be that way. We need to, as Dave Willis says, we need to follow the first law of love, which is commitment. Love requires commitment. Now, if you don't know who Dave Willis is, I want to tell you who Dave Willis is. He's a guy who wrote a book. It's called The Seven Laws of Love. And that's what our sermon series on love is based on. It's based on this book, The Seven Laws of Love. It's a biblical book. Uh, That uh, pulls principles of marriage and relationships from the bible And we're going to talk about this for the next six weeks We're going to cover all seven laws during that amount of time But we're going to talk about specific relationships in our lives Now one of the other resources I want to share with you today is uh, Strongermarriages.org That is a website run by Dave and his wife Ashley (coughs) Excuse me and it's all about building stronger marriages, because when we have stronger marriages in our country, we have stronger churches, we have stronger communities, we have a stronger nation. So we need uh, strong marriages in our world, and the way, uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is marriage. So for the, about the next 15-20 minutes, we're going to talk about these relation, this relationship of marriage. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not married, or I used to be married, I'm no longer married. Or I'd have no intention of ever getting married or getting remarried. Uh, There's things that I think that we can learn from this uh, sermon today that have to do with not only our relationship with one another, but our relationship with God. Because God uses marriage as the... illustration for our relationship with him that intimacy in in the marriage relationship that intimacy in the marriage relationship is the intimacy that God desires to have with us as well a very intimate close relationship with his people and so God wants to have this kind of uh, a kind of a married type relationship with us uh, and to have that closeness and uh, that is only made possible by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you believe in Him and repent from your sins, confess your faith and get baptized, that God comes to live in your heart through the Holy Spirit and you have this intimate relationship with Him that He desires uh so today we're going to talk about like i said we're going to talk about marriage and and it's based on this book the seven laws of love it's an excellent book i highly recommend you pick it up uh and we're going to talk for the next six weeks about marriage we're going to talk about our uh, loving our neighbors we're going to talk about loving our families and we're going to talk about loving god uh so we're going to talk about these different relationships that we have in our lives but today specifically we're going to focus on marriage now um One of the things that uh, Dave talks about in the book is how we need to have naked marriages. And like the guys are going, woohoo, let's do that. It's not quite what he has in mind. Uh, If you'll grab your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read a little passage here as we begin uh, about the the creation of of man and woman. Uh, In in Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses... Uh, 18 through 25. If you didn't grab your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page two. It's real easy to find. It's right there at the beginning. Or if you have your tablet or your phone and you want to use your favorite Bible app, you can do that. But Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all of the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The very first wedding gift was Eve to Adam. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Imagine, if you will, being in a relationship with someone where there's no baggage, there's no credit card debt, there's no uh, fighting, there's no history, there's just... No shame. It's just a, as what Dave says, it's just a naked marriage. They were naked and they felt no shame. They could be completely open with one another. They could be completely vulnerable with one another. There were no secrets between them. Secrets equal shame. And there was no shame between Adam and Eve until sin entered the picture and messed everything up. So uh, the goal, one of the goals that we have as husbands and wives is to have a marriage that is completely open and vulnerable with no secrets and no shame. Now in order to get this kind of marriage, it requires that we be the ideal husband or the ideal wife. And you may be thinking, there's no way I could be the ideal husband, no way I could be the ideal wife. Uh, I'm not talking about somebody's uh, expectations of you, I'm talking about God's expectations of you. And God's expectations of of men and women, of husbands and wives, uh, are found in His Word. And so today we're going to take a look at some passages of Scripture that talk about what it means to be an ideal husband or an ideal wife. Uh, There's five different ideals for for men and five different for women that are talked about in in our book that we're looking at, and I want to share these with you. Now, the ideals for husbands uh, are based upon Jesus. And guys are sitting there going, now wait, you want me to be Jesus to my wife? Jesus was never married That's true, Jesus was not married in the flesh But he is referred to in scripture As the bridegroom of Christ, of the church He is the bridegroom of the church uh, And so Jesus As the groom of the church As the husband to the church Demonstrates what it takes to be an ideal husband So I want to point out five different ways That we can be like Jesus, guys Five ways that we can be like Jesus to our wives And if you've got your, your bulletin page You can take some notes on the back uh, And I highly encourage you to Um, The first thing that a husband does is a husband loves his wife passionately and selflessly. A husband loves his wife passionately and selflessly. And the selflessly is the hard one because a husband tends to be selfish. Men, we can be very, very selfish, can't we? We can be selfish clods. I know I can. And uh, I need to work on this as far as being a passionate and selfless husband to my wife. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Jesus gave up his life for the church. He sacrificed his life for the church. Husbands, we must be willing to sacrifice our lives for our church. And you may be thinking, hey, I'll, I'll take a bullet for you, honey. All right here's the question you may be willing to die for your wife are you willing to live for your wife are you willing to love her passionately and selflessly putting her wants and her needs before your own putting her needs before your wants that's hard especially for guys because it's like we see we want something we go out and we get it i'm I'm just gonna go get it no we got to put our wives needs before our wants secondly a husband serves his wife A husband serves his wife. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28, Jesus said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, you want a happy marriage? Serve your wife. It's not the other way around. She is not subservient to you. She is not to to serve you. She's not to show up at the door when you get home from work with your slippers and and uh, your pipe. And it, has anybody ever smoked a pipe? Never mind. Uh, you know, with your slippers and your pipe, and and oh, come put your feet up, and and I'll have, I've got dinner ready for you, and you can watch TV all night, and I'll piddle with the kids. And no, husbands serve your wives. We're in this together. So see your role as the husband. Uh, as an act of service to your wife. Number three, a husband protects his wife. A husband protects his wife. In John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Husbands, protect your wives. And this is not just protecting them physically. It is protecting them emotionally and protecting them spiritually. Be the spiritual leader for your family. Protect your wives emotionally, spiritually, and spiritually and physically. So this means you don't trash your wife. It means you don't put her down. It means that you love her and, and treat her uh, and protect her uh, the way God would. Um, a shepherd, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, a shepherd would build a pen around his sheep. He would set up a a, a pen using shrubs and sticks and things like that. And would set up a a pen around the sheep. And then at night he would lead the sheep into the pen. And then where the opening was, the shepherd would literally lay down across the opening of the sheep pen. So that if something was going to come in and get the sheep, it had to go through the shepherd. So if it's a wolf or a lion or a tiger or a bear, oh my. Or if it was a thief and was going to come in to get the sheep, they had to go through the shepherd. Husbands, be the shepherd of your flock, uh, of your family. Be the shepherd for your wife. Protect your wife. Number four, a husband provides for his wife. You know, Jesus provided for the needs of many people. He provided healing for those who needed it. He provided food for those who needed it. He provided salvation for all of us. Jesus provided for the needs of the church we husbands need to provide for the needs of our wives. I love what Dave says on uh, page 119. He says, your wife and family can do with less of almost anything if it means having more of you. Guys, we'll get so caught up in our work. We'll get so caught up in, the, in our hobbies. We'll get so caught up in, in sports that we don't have time for our families. We don't have time for our wives. And we, and we won't make that sacrifice. Uh, we need to uh, take this to heart that your family can do uh, with a, without a lot of anything But they, if, they can, if it means that they can have more of you Okay, does that make sense? I know that I get caught up in my work sometimes And I'm gone three, four nights a week I'm gone during the day I work all weekend And all of a sudden, you know, it's like There's strangers living in my house It's because I'm not around I haven't taken the time And I haven't made the sacrifices necessary To spend time with my family That's something that i got to work on So a husband provides for his wife, not just providing uh, physically, but also providing emotional and spiritual leadership. And finally, a husband communicates openly and honestly with his wife. Jesus said to his disciples, I have not withheld anything from you that has been revealed by my father. I have not withheld anything from you. I have told you everything. Guys, we need to be honest with our wives. We need honest and open communication. And some of you are like, uh what do you mean by everything? I mean everything. You need to communicate with your wife. You need to communicate with your family. You need to be honest and open with them. And here's my suggestion. I, I recommend a 15-minute meeting, a daily 15-minute meeting where you sit down and just look at each other and talk to each other, not about sports, not about the weather, not small talk, but good conversation. About this is what's going on up here. This is what's going on in here, guys. It is not a sin to talk about your feelings. It's not, and you've got them. I'm not the only one. We've got feelings. We got things on our hearts. We got things on our minds, and we can talk to them, uh, talk about them to our wives, and and she can and we can listen too. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen, listen to your wives communication is a two-way street it's more than just oh this is what's going on in me see you later or good night it's what's going on with you what are you concerned about what's going on in your world how can i help so these are five ideals uh, for a husband to live up to and these are based upon uh jesus's relationship with the church and this is how we guys uh husbands should communicate and should uh treat our wives okay Now, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, we read about five ideals for a wife. Now, I um, uh, uh, cannot—this is the hardest thing for me to talk about, okay? It's because it's going to sound like, well, Sean, you're just telling me what to do. No, this is a two-way street, okay? Uh, And so when I talk about the five ideals for a wife, um, these come out of Proverbs 31. It comes right out of God's Word. Uh, Number one, a wife brings respect to her husband. Proverbs 31.23 Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Proverbs 31.23 And what that means is that a, a wife will do things that will bring respect to her husband. She will talk about him in in positive ways. She won't run him down to her friends. Uh, she won't rip him uh, up and down on Facebook. But rather she will respect her husband and she will bring respect to her husband. Okay? Uh, number two. A wife Provides a warm atmosphere in the home for her husband. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five to 27. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She works hard in the home to provide a warm atmosphere for her family. And again, this is not some kind of 1950s idealized version of what a home is supposed to look like where she's you know waiting at the door uh, in a freshly pressed dress and uh, dinner's on the stove and, and everything's ready to go. No, it, it, it requires both husband and wife uh, to have realistic expectations of what life is like in your house. But one of the uh, ideals for a wife is to provide a warm atmosphere uh, and a warm home for her husband and her family. Number 3. A wife works hard to support her husband. Proverbs 31:15 to 18 says she gets up while it is still night, she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. How many of you ladies have a female servant? None, huh? Oh, okay. All right, scratch that one Uh, She considers a field and buys it Out of her earnings she plants a vineyard She sets about her work vigorously Her arms are strong for her tasks She sees that her trading is profitable And her lamp does not go out at night In other words, she's diligent She is working, uh, whether it's inside the home or outside the home She is working to provide for the family as well And she may provide, like I said uh, Outside the home, she may provide inside the home uh, But her and her husband And it's a partnership It's not just a guy who sits around, you know, uh, watching TV uh, and drinking Diet Pepsi all day. Wait a minute, that sounds familiar for some reason. No, it's a partnership. It is men and women working together to build that home for their family, and uh, the ideal uh, version, uh, the ideal vision for a wife uh, is to help uh, in that process of providing for the family. Uh, Number four, a wife looks her best for her husband. Proverbs 31, says, She is clothed in fine linen and purple. A wife who looks her best for her husband. And, and guys, let me just sidetrack for just a moment. Guys, look at your wives. I, I don't mean like right now. I mean, you can right now if you want. But look at your wives. In other words, don't look at other women. Don't look at other women, whether it's women around you, women you work with, uh, pornography. Don't look at other women. You will undermine her beauty you will undermine her beauty when you're looking at other women okay uh, there was a guy and a girl they were walking down the street husband and wife they're walking down the street and uh, a young uh, beautiful girl was walking uh, towards their way and and just for a moment he just still a glance was like uh and uh, as they're walking down she didn't even look at her husband her wife didn't his wife didn't even look at her she goes was it worth it he's like what she goes the trouble that you're in Don't look at other women. (coughs) Look at your wife. Reinforce that beauty that she has. Impress upon her how beautiful you think she is so that she feels confident about herself. If you're always talking bad about her, if you're always putting her down, then she's not going to feel beautiful. And if she doesn't feel beautiful, uh, if you don't think she looks beautiful, she's not going to feel beautiful. And then she's not going to look nice for you why should she when she doesn't even think that you care anymore number five a wife provides companionship for her husband Proverbs 31 11 and 12 her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life she brings him good not harm all the days of her life ladies you do such a great job you balance so many uh, different things in your life you keep all the plates spinning around know what i'm talking about the you know thank you uh but one of the things that a man needs is the companionship of his wife he needs you to be his friend he needs you to be his best friend uh he needs to know that there's someone that is that is walking through life with him a lot of times guys we feel like we're the lone ranger right we're out there on the uh, we're out there on the the range and just trying to do things all by ourselves and and that gets tiring and it gets exhausting We need our wives to be our friends. So uh, those are five ideals for husbands, five ideals for wives. And uh, one of the last things I want to leave you with is just the importance of commitment. One of the laws of of the the book, one of the seven laws of love is is love requires commitment. And we've got to be committed to our marriages. And that means not only committing ourselves to being married, but committing ourselves to doing what it takes to stay married. And so if you are at a point in your life where you feel like things are falling apart and this is going to break up, uh, do, your, do what it takes to uh, get the help you need. Go to see a counselor. Uh, you can come see me and I can recommend you to go to someone if it's something that we can't figure out together. Uh, go see a counselor, someone who's professionally trained who can help you in your relationship. And so if you are married commit yourself to doing what it takes to stay married if you're looking to get married if you're engaged and or you're in a relationship you're looking to get married think about these ideals and how they ref, how they apply to you and how god wants you to be what god wants you to be as a as a future spouse uh if you are uh, if you have no intention of ever getting married maybe use this sermon as a way of encouraging other people who are married and just say you know what i heard a really great, great sermon about you know you're talking about how your your marriage is falling apart well i heard a really great sermon I hope it's a great sermon. I heard a really great sermon yesterday at church. You know, you can check it out online at our website gfcc.net. And I I really want to encourage you to check out strongermarriages.org for good daily inspiration for your marriages. Last thing I want to leave you with is this quote from the book on page 126: "says Remember that marriage isn't 50/50. Divorce is 50/50. Marriage has to be 100/100. It's not splitting everything in half." But both partners giving it everything that they've got. And that's what marriage is all about. There's going to be days when you feel like, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm at best 75. You've got to go the extra mile. You've got to give it that 100. Uh, because if you do, if, if when we commit ourselves to our marriages, when we commit ourselves to our spouses, uh, we will find that we do have stronger families, and stronger churches, and stronger communities, and a stronger nation, if we will commit ourselves, not to a cable company kind of marriage, but to the marriage that God wants for each and every one of us, that God desires strong families and strong marriages. And my prayer is that over the next few weeks, as we talk about relationships, we're going to talk next week about loving our families, uh, and then we're going to talk about loving our friends and loving our neighbors and loving God. As we talk about these different aspects of love, my prayer is that uh, you will uh, be encouraged in your relationships uh, and uh, that God will bless you and your marriage and your family uh, through this sermon series. And so if you do me a favor, if you know someone who's struggling with relationships, invite them to come to church. Say, hey, you know what? We're talking about relationships at church and, and I think it'd be really great uh, if you came and, and heard what, we, what we're what we talking about. Uh, we'd love to have you come and join us for worship. So uh, until then, I wanna just encourage you uh, to pray for your spouse, to pray with your spouse, uh, to love your spouse and be committed to your spouse uh, above all uh, that we may have those stronger marriages and a stronger church, a stronger community and strong.